Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Amen. Praise the Lord. In your Bibles this morning, the book of Titus, I know that's a, it's back there in the New Testament. Let me find it. I was preaching out of it earlier. Glory to God. Titus chapter 3. Hallelujah. We want to thank everybody for all of their cards and gifts that people have sent. You know, we're, we're so blessed to have such wonderful people here at Island Church. And I know y'all, some have sent things to eat and, and give cards and all that kind of stuff. We so appreciate that. And thank you very much. And uh, we trust God will bless you for blessing us. Amen. Praise God. This morning, I want to teach on something. I, I, you know, I guess all the preachers in the area and different people have what they call a, a Christmas message. And uh, I don't know. I guess you can call this our Christmas message. I know that we'll, we'll uh, read the Christmas story on Tuesday night. And I'd like to invite you to come be a part of that. But, uh, you know, the greatest gift ever given uh, that will ever be given uh, is Jesus. You know, God gave him freely and willingly to us. Uh, he's Lord. He's Savior. I don't know if we really recognize the weight of what that gift actually means. I don't know if it'll be uh, uh, when we're in heaven or the rapture of the church or the millennial reign or what it will be. Uh, but I want you to know that there's no greater gift given and we'll be, you know, a, a million billion years into eternity and still no greater gift will ever be given than Jesus Christ. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. God manifested in the flesh. But you know, it's not just that he was given. It's all that he brought with him. I mean, it's like this huge package. You know, I've always been curious about what's, what's for me under the tree. Amen. I don't like waiting. How many don't like waiting? I mean, you like to get unpeak and rip a few packages and hold them up to the light, shake them, you know. And, you know, it says, do not open till Christmas. And you kind of, you know, you know how that is. But, you know, the good news about God is he unwrapped it all. And Jesus brought with him, you know, such, such a great salvation. And, and, and in salvation, the package of redemption that is salvation, healing, preservation, soundness, safety, deliverance, prosperity, baptism in the Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit, uh, eternal destiny, gift, uh, uh, giftings and callings, and, and all that God wants to do, direction and showing us things to come. And, and listen, that's the only way to live in this life. There's such darkness upon the earth. But there are certain things that we major on. You know, around here we major on faith and healing and the Holy Ghost and redemption and the blood of Jesus and all of those different things. But there are things we, we may not have majored on like we should and we may need to major on a little more. One of them is a gift from God, came through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you understand what it exactly is and how it operates and tap into the benefit of it, I want you to know it'll greatly enhance your walk with God and greatly enhance the blessing of God in your life. And that is the subject of the mercy of God. How many have ever needed mercy? Now, a lot of times we don't understand, you know, when we need it, why we need it. But if you do understand when you need it, why you need it, how to cry out for it, I guarantee you it'll get you out of a lot of stuff you tend to get yourself into. Now, I know that we have a tendency, as just as people, to want to plead our case. How many have ever had an excuse? Amen. But at the end of the day, it's really easiest just to plead guilty. 
You say, why? Because you have a merciful God. I say, because you have a merciful God. You know, mercy, here's a, a real uh, crude, simple definition of mercy. Mercy is the ability of God to stop from happening to you what should happen to you because of the natural order of events in life. Now, remember this. God created man and woman, put them in a garden, and everything was good and everything was right. And man sinned and fell. He went into a state of eternal separation from God or spiritual death. Excuse me, not eternal separation from God, but separation from God or spiritual death. Now, spiritual death reigns in man till today. There are still multitudes of people that are spiritually dead. And when we say spiritually dead, we mean separated from God. In their inner man, in their human spirit, in the real you, the real you that'll live forever. Not your body that you live in, not your mind that you possess, but the real you, your spirit man. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are spiritually dead. You are separated from God. That's not your fault. That happened for you. Long, over 6,000 years ago, when Adam sinned in the garden, mankind, all of us identified, remember, Adam and the woman, the first white couple, the first black couple, the first Asian couple, the first European couple, the first Russian couple, the first Chinese couple, that's, that's, that's Adam and the woman. We are all identified in him. He fell. He reproduced after his own kind. And the effects of separation from God have reigned for 6,000 years. Man has walked in darkness. He's walked in darkness. We see darkness manifested today. Darkness, darkness is the ability for a man or a woman to look at something and call darkness light. And call light darkness. To look at something and see death and call it life. And look at life and call it death. Amen. I mean, man is, is in great need, great need of a Savior and a Redeemer. And thank God, 2,000 years ago, God sent what? God sent Jesus Christ, the last Adam, the one that we can identify with today and be born again out of the human family and be born into God's family. Amen? Now, when you begin to realize that, you begin to realize how your life, your life and the life you live, is really subject to the effect of others that lived before you. Adam and the woman. You know, the, the man with the womb, the womb man. Adam named her Eve. God didn't, Adam did. And not only that, the two people that have affected all of humanity, Adam and Jesus. So you've got to make a decision in your life about this man, Jesus, who lived 33 and a half years, never owned a piece of property, Never ever wrote a book, never, never, never ever uh, uh, built a monument, never built a building, left an edifice of any kind, but he has, he has affected the, the world more than any other individual. Listen, I know they've had some people recently, they say these people changed the world. They didn't change the world. They may have altered it a little bit, but Jesus changed the world. Amen. He brought the light of God and the life of God back into humanity so that men and women, again, could be born again, or they could be spiritually united to their creator. Amen. Now, notice this. In Titus chapter 3, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I like this. It says, not by works of righteousness, good works, which we have done, but according to his mercy. Everybody say mercy. mercy. Say it again. Mercy. Say it again. According to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
Now, let's go back to our illustration. Adam and the woman, spiritually dead, separated from God. The natural order, not, not the way God created it, the way they fell into. The natural order of human life is this. You're born, you live 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. You live separated from God, spiritually dead. You die, physical death, a result of spiritual death. Then you enter into a place of eternal death. We don't want nobody to go there, amen? But in the midst of that, in the middle of all that, Jesus interrupted the process and brought what? The ability of God to stop from happening to us what should happen to us because we are born into the human family. He supplied salvation through his mercy so that we can born again, be united from God, and not suffer the effects of eternal separation from God. Glad you're so happy. I said, it's great. You don't have to go to hell. You can live with Jesus forever. His mercy is new every morning. Now we see that on the level of salvation. But what about every day? We think about many times, you know, uh, here's my dream, my vision. You know, we've pioneered something here. And I say we, I mean we as a people, we as a church. We've pioneered something in a very unique place upon this planet. A place many people said God would never move. A place many people said was a spiritually dead place. But God has risen up Island Church. Amen. Amen. Now, it is my dream, my desire, that our legacy, that means our children that will take this over. If Jesus does not rapture us, if we do not go up in the rapture, that we go by the way of the grave. A hundred years from now. Our children and our grandchildren are pastoring and working in the ministry at Island Church, fulfilling the legacy and dream that we have pioneered. Sure, it would be great if we have a legacy of great faith, that they would look at our church and the ministry and the years of ministry and say, oh, those people were people of faith. Oh, yeah, they believed God. I heard, you know, years ago there was a great storm that destroyed the church, and that church didn't have any money, didn't have any insurance, and they believed God, and God gave them a miracle. That's part of our legacy, Amen. Well, thank God for that, and we want that. And that would be a church of love. That people would say, we came to Island Church, and we found a God that loved us. We found people that would love us unconditionally, without restraint. That's a great legacy. But I also want us to have a legacy of mercy. Amen. Where people would, years from now, look back at the work that we've done, and that God has done through us, and said, you know, I went to Island Church, and I found mercy. I found mercy among the people. I found mercy from God. I found God's ability to stop from happening to me what should happen to me because I got myself in all kinds of trouble. I got myself in all kinds of junk. I got myself in all kinds of problems and situations. And God came and stopped from, and stopped from happening to me what should happen to me. He gave me mercy instead of judgment. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I know many of us here, here this morning, and this is when I was meditating on this during the week and thinking about this, this is kind of what the Lord began to minister to my spirit about how many times when we stand in faith, and you know, we've taught you guys on faith, and we're going to continue to teach you on faith, to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, stand on the Word of God, stand on when everything looks like it's failing, stand on the Word of God, don't be moved, stand on the Word of God. But sometimes it seems like that it's not working, and it seems like a gap between the need and your faith begins to grow. You ever had that happen? 
And discouragement comes in, you begin to say, Lord, what's happening? It looks like the more I believe you, the worse it gets. It looks like the more I'm faithful to the word and faithful to pray and faithful to come to church and tithe and offer and do all these things. It looks like the further I get away from what you desire to do for me. Well, in between, this is the Lord spoke to my spirit. He said, in the gap between your faith and your need, God provides mercy. Because we all make mistakes. In our frustration, in our anxiety, sometimes we know not to worry, and we worry. Sometimes we know not to fret, and we fret. Sometimes we know not to be fearful, and fear enters in. Sometimes we know not to doubt. Come on, let's just, does anybody want to be honest this morning, or they want me to talk about Santa Claus? (laughs) Hey, man, sometimes we doubt. Amen. Come on, church. I know we're great people of faith, but sometimes doubt tries to enter in. We yield to it. Or sometimes we don't check our minds like we should. Sometimes we get a little apathetic, complacent. We don't study the word. We don't pray. We lay out of church and we just kind of, and all of a sudden that need rises up and roars and our faith seems to get weak. Well, in between the gap, mercy. The mercy of God is there. Remember over in Luke chapter 17, you don't have to turn there. I'll tell you the story. There were 10 lepers. And leprosy back in that day was considered a curse. We know back out of 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman was a leper. And he went to Elisha's house and was healed of God. And there was a, there was a servant in, Gehi, in uh, Elisha's house named Gehazi. And Gehazi schemed and formulated a plan and lied and got a bunch of money and clothes from Naaman and was cursed with Naaman's leprosy. And to this day, the lineage of Gehazi's family is still cursed with leprosy. Amen. Now, leprosy is a type of sin. Sin just eats on you, just eats on you, eats on you. Well, here's these 10 lepers. And back in that day, lepers were, 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 were commanded to live outside of the city in the garbage dump. They were considered cursed people. They were considered not to be, have any blessing of God, any covenant of any kind. And so here came Jesus walking along. And they cried. this is what they cried out. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So what they were saying was this, Jesus, this is our life. This is our destiny to live a life until our body is so eaten by leprosy that we die. We have no other way to challenge this. There is no cure. There are no doctors that can help. There's nothing we can do. It's beyond our faith. It's beyond our faith to receive anything from God. We've heard the Levitical law. We've heard about the cursing of the leper. We've heard about all of that. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And what did Jesus do? He said, go show yourself to the priest. The Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. Hallelujah. They were cleansed. And then when they saw they were healed, they were cleansed, they were healed, and one was made whole. Why? Because of the mercy of Almighty God, he stopped the process. I said, he stopped the process. Now listen, I know we want to sometimes put on airs like we got it all together. Amen. Like we got it all together. We're people of great faith, great anointing, all this kind of stuff. And that's well and good. But I want you to know there are times in every one of our lives. There are times in us as a church. There are times when we must rely on and have faith in the mercy of God, the ability of God to get us out of what we get ourselves into. Lee and I have done it personally. And you know, you're not the one that has to get up here and share their failures. We are. So it's not, it's not the most fun. Years ago, Lee and I in our field ministry ministered quite a lot in Hawaii. 
And it was, it was we, we enjoyed doing that. We've done it a little bit as a church. Well, I think we've had three or four crusades as a church. But back then, we were spending enormous amounts of money. We had spent probably during, during about an, uh, a 10 or 12-year period, we'd spent close to $250,000 uh, doing crusades. The area of Hawaii we go to is not very affluent. They're very poor. It's literally missions work. You tell people that, they laugh at you. You're going to Hawaii, yeah, right, you know. But truly, and how many have ever been there with us and you've seen it and you know what it's like? It's not a very good place. It's almost like a third world country. And we love those people and, and we never asked them for anything and we just wanted to bless them and preach Jesus to them. Well, in the, in the meantime, we, we, we stayed in a particular hotel and, and that hotel built two timeshares. Uh, back to the uh, would be back to the east of their particular building. And, uh, and so they... they, uh, they uh, called us one time. We were actually there at a crusade. They called us and wanted to present uh, this, this timeshare program to us. Well, I learned one thing about myself, uh, not to expose myself to salesmen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody you have that weakness that a salesman can sell, you know, can sell ice to you in the middle of the winter and you're kind of like, so I learned to turn and walk away from salesmen. Amen. But this guy, I mean, he had all the numbers. He showed us how much money we had been spending at the particular hotel. He showed us how much projected that we would be spending. And I'm telling you, he sold us on this timeshare thing. The problem with it was about 75% of what he said was not true. You do not own property in Hawaii, but they tax you like you do. And, and your, your, your what, what was it called? Maintenance fee that started out at $300. And was $1,500 after two years. And availability. The first time we wanted to do a crusade, we, we, we bought a particular package in which we could get two rooms and eight people could sleep in each room. It was real nice, big room and, and nice and roomy and all this kind of stuff. And so it, in this particular package, we thought, that's 16 people. That's a crusade team. We can do that. I mean, we were doing all the numbers. Problem number one, you ever got yourself into something? Problem, we didn't, we didn't say, wait till tomorrow, we're going to go pray. We didn't do it. Sounded good. Sounded too good. You're going to own property in Hawaii. It can go into your portfolio. It, it, uh, did you know all that was not true? Not only that, the first time we tried to use it, we couldn't use it. It took us two, what is it, two or three years to get in there. And, and we were just able to bring some family and friends and have a little vacation. And that was it. Well, in the meantime, every month the bill came due. Every month we were looking at close to $45,000 in debt. And finally, one day, Lee and I looked at each other and said, uh-oh. We made a boo-boo. You ever make a boo-boo? We made a big boo-boo, a $45,000 boo-boo. And they were like, you pay, you pay, you pay, you keep paying. We'll put a lien against your house. We'll do this. We'll do that. And so finally it came to the point where we got down on our knees and we said, Lord, forgive us. We have gotten ourselves into a financial situation that we cannot get ourselves out of. And, you know, we could have played the blame game. It's their fault. It's the salesman's fault. They did this. They did that. But what we did is we say, Lord, help us. Give us mercy. We have gotten ourselves into something that we need your ability to get us out of. Stop from happening to us what should happen to us because of what we've got ourselves into. Some of you here today, you've tried to use your faith to get out of something you've gotten yourself into. I don't know if it's financial. I don't know if it's relationship. I don't know what it is. But you've tried and tried to get yourself out. What you really need to do is cry out to God, forgive, I mean, excuse me, ask God to forgive you. Don't plead your case. Plead guilty and say, now, Lord, I'm here to throw myself on the mercy that you have supplied for me through Jesus Christ. Well, the end of the story was, 
is that after what? It was about a two-year period. We believed God. We prayed. God led us in this certain direction. And we found most everybody we talked to said, no, no, no. This is what they told us. Your children's children. Isn't that what they told us, Leah? Your children's children will be paying for this thing. They'll be paying the maintenance fees. They'll be paying the taxes. Your children should be like, uh-uh. We don't ask God for mercy. We prayed. We believed God. And God sent us in a certain direction. Leah was on the computer there for, I don't know, a couple of months. And next thing we know, those people took that timeshare back and released to us. Not a, not a form that said, you know, everything's okay. We got a form from the IRS that at the top has our name, has their name, and says debt cancellation. 45,000, we said glory to God. Because, you know, here's the dear, your creditors, when you go to get your credit score and do all this kind of stuff, you can have a letter from the people, you can have a letter. That don't mean nothing to them. They want to see something official. And we got it in our files from the IRS, debt, cancellation. And listen, you say, boy, you must have had some great faith. We had no faith. <laughs> we were upset. We were agitated. It was the mercy of Almighty God that got us out of that situation. Not by acts of righteousness. See, that's what most people, they, yeah, I'm, I'm big faith. I pray. Okay, well, praise God. But you may fail in those areas in one day. One day, your faith may fail. Your righteousness may fail. I'm not talking about God's righteousness. I'm talking about you walking in it. May fail. That's when you need to go to God and get on your knees and say, God, forgive me. I'm throwing myself on your mercy. Aren't you glad that the blood was poured on the mercy seat, not the judgment seat, not the grace seat, not the love seat, not the faith seat. It was poured on the what? The mercy seat of God. The blood is on the mercy seat. I said the blood is on the mercy seat. Some of you, mercy is going to get you out of your situation, going to get you out of your problem, going to get your body. I've heard people say, well, Pastor, you know, I, I smoked cigarettes 45 years. I'll get cancer sooner or later. No. Wow. no. If you've gotten saved and delivered and you're walking by faith, you just stand on the Word of God and say, Father, I thank you. Your mercy will keep my lungs clear. Your mercy will heal my body. I will be healed in Jesus' name. See, people just accept things because they get their self into certain situations and circumstance and thinks God turns their back on them. Look, I'll I put a couple of things here. I think this will help us. Let me get back up here. These things here. Number one, mercy when your faith fails. Say, man, I'm believing God, believing God, believing God, believing God, and it doesn't look like nothing's happening. All of a sudden, discouragement comes in. Weariness comes in. All of a sudden, you begin to get discouraged. Doubt tries to enter. What do you do? Cry out for mercy. Cry out for mercy. Secondly, what about when your character fails? You ever had a character failure? Where you thought to yourself, why did I do that? I'm not that person. Maybe anger. You know how anger is. Anger can get on you, make you do stupid things. Frustration can get on you, make you do stupid things intimidation, all that kind of stuff can get on you. And next thing you know, you know you've got better character to that than that. You know your character is stronger than that, but you have a breach. In Remember David? He should have never went up on that rooftop. I know Solomon came through Bathsheba, but boy, what he had to went through. He should have never went up there. What a man of character. God said, he's a man after all my own heart. But then he had a breach of character. A lot of times people never recover. I was watching, and, and don't let this offend you. Please don't. 
But I was watching this morning. Uh, I, I usually get up on Sunday morning. I spend some time in prayer. And then after I pray, I go in and begin to get ready. And I'll turn on and see who's preaching. And this morning, I, I turned on and I was watching Jimmy Swaggart. And a lot of people, every time you say that name, they go, oh. <laughs> But let me just help you a minute. He's on TV. Millions of dollars flowing into his ministry. He's affecting people all over the world. He's not just got a television show. He has a network. And I looked at that and I thought, what a testimony of the mercy of God. Even the body of Christ judged him, judged him. You sinner, you. Mixed up with prostitutes, supposed to be preaching. Well, he had a lapse of character. But you know what he did? I've even heard him say it. He said he went and he fell in repentance at the feet of his Savior and said, Lord, all I have faith in now is your mercy. Is your mercy. He was the greatest soul winner of the 70s and 80s. Millions of people came to Jesus. But the body of Christ did not have enough maturity to restore him. Because the Bible says, you that are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. At least the same thing come upon you. And because the body of Christ did not have enough character to restore him, uh, all that perversion ran through the ministry. And thousands of pastors and evangelists fell into sin. Why? Because we don't recognize mercy for what it is. The whole church should have just fell on their face and said, Lord, we forgive him. We forgive him. Give him mercy. Give him mercy. Give him mercy. Give him mercy. Thank God he attained it for himself or he wouldn't be on TV today. Great testimony. Every time I turn him on, I say, the mercy of God. If it'll work for him, it'll work for me. When I have a lapse of character, when I miss the mark, when I even fall into sin that I know I shouldn't do, there is the mercy of God available for me. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, that'll make you happy. That'll keep you strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When your character fails. <laughs> How about when your excuses fail? It ain't my fault. It ain't my fault. I was born that way. I was raised that way. Mama was that way. Daddy was that way. That's just the way it is. I'm a victim of where I live. I'm a victim of who I am. I'm a victim of what color I am. I'm a victim of how much money I got or don't have. I'm a victim of this. I'm a victim of that. I just can't help myself. It's amazing how those fail, those excuses. When you bring all of those excuses, when you stand before the judge and say, I did not realize when I swung that axe at my husband, it would chop his head off. <laughs> I did not think it was that sharp. Amen. What was the guy that you say, the devil made me do it? Well, many times it ain't the devil. I want you to know your excuses are never valid in the eyes of God. Let go of, I know we've been hurt. I know we've been abused. I know there's been some horrible things that have happened to people, but it's best just to go and say, God, I'm laying down my excuses. Because here's the thing. Let me ask you this question. When have your excuses ever got you any relief? Let me try that one more time. Some of y'all really need to hear that this morning. When have your excuses got you any relief? When have your excuses been your answer? When have your excuses done anything for you? They don't. All they are is an excuse. They come and they go. It's best just to say, Lord, I need mercy. I'm not here to plead my case. I'm here to plead guilty and throw myself on the mercy of your goodness and kindness and love toward me. What about when your integrity fails? Now you say, well, integrity characters. No, no. Integrity is what, is what keeps you. See, the, the pulpit has integrity. If we started putting weight on it, we would break it down. I, it might could hold 500 pounds. It might could hold a thousand. I don't know how much it could hold, but there'd be a certain point in which it'd break. 
Integrity is an engineering term. But there are times when you give your word. You say, well, I gave my word and I broke it. Oh, man. And it's costing me now. I'm really hurting for it. I, I, I did this and my integrity failed. And I broke under the weight of the circumstance or the situation. Well, that's when you go to God. And you say, Lord, I need your mercy. I need your mercy. My integrity has failed. I repent. I ask your forgiveness. I'll never let it happen again. You say, what if it happens again? Then you go do the same thing. See, we've not taught on the mercy of God, being such great faith and grace people and, oh, nobody ever fails. And not. No, no, listen. We should have been teaching this all along with love and with grace and with faith and with hope. There should have been mercy because mercy, mercy is mentioned more than love. Did you know that in the Bible? It's mentioned more than love. It's mentioned more than faith. It's mentioned more than hope. And it's mentioned more than grace. Mercy is mentioned more than anything. You say, why? Because mankind needs mercy. I mean, today, like we said earlier, people calling darkness light. light. Who was the guy this week the, uh, on the news all week? Uh, the duck hunter. Yeah, I'm a duck hunter. I've been a duck hunter for 38 years. He's just an old duck hunter. Blows a duck call. Make got a little success. And said something from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Well, he's just a backwoods idiot. Don't know what he's talking about. He's crazy. Isn't it amazing how crazy people call that which is not crazy, crazy? And all of the politically correct people have risen up against it. How dare anybody say anything? Well, you know, it's just the word of God is all it is. Should have been here Wednesday night and heard what I preached on. How God turns people over to reprobate minds. Listen, all of that sin people are involved in, that, that sin is really not the sin. The homosexuality, the drug addiction, the perversion, the alcoholism, all of that is just the symptom of the greater sin, which is rejection of the one that came and abundantly shed the mercy of God. They reject God's mercy. They reject God's grace. And as they do, they get worse and worse and worse and more depraved. And the world system flows right along with it and says, they're right. He's wrong. Light is wrong. Darkness is right. Life is wrong. Death is right. Bitter is wrong. Sweet is right. Bitter is wrong. Come on, church. It's exactly what the Bible says. And so now more than ever, God, the, the world needs what? God's mercy. The integrity of the world system does not exist, never has. Oh, there's such great integrity in our government, in our financial lending institutions. How many have faith in the integrity of your government? How many Democrats? How many Republicans? Independents? Where's your faith in your... Oh, not there, is it? How many have faith in Exxon and its integrity and mobile oil? And AT&T, we don't have. We don't have any faith in the world or the world system. The only faith we have is in God and in His mercy, His grace, His ability to come into our lives and raise us up out of the miry clay and where we should be walking a path of spiritual death. He gives us life and gives it to us in abundance. Yeah. Now let me close with this. Go to Hebrews real quick. Look at Hebrews. I love this scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. This is great. You liking this this morning? Is this okay for Christmas message? <laughs> Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, let us therefore 
come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Now, let me help you with that. Think of a very valuable coin, precious gold coin, two sides, a godly coin, a coin of deity. One side mercy, the other side grace. The grace side, God's ability to work on your behalf. Grace worked for you before you got saved. Grace was the ability of God to keep the devil from killing you, from maiming you, from destroying you, from putting you in the penitentiary forever. For whatever it was, God's grace kept you till the gospel could get to you. When the gospel got to you, mercy was imparted so that by grace you are saved through faith so that you might receive the mercy of God. Not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy. So you got the whole coin when you got saved. You got God's mercy. You got God's grace. Now God says, because you are now not in the human family, you are now in God's family. Because of that, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. You can come without intimidation. You can come without a sense of not, I'm not supposed to be here. Not, you ever been somewhere you weren't supposed to be? You say, I shouldn't be here, you know. No, you come with boldness. You come with security, without condemnation. No matter who you are, what you've done, your sins have been forgiven. The blood has washed them away. God doesn't know who you used to be. He only knows who you are. You come boldly to the throne of grace and you go, mercy. I need some mercy, Lord. Your ability to stop from happening to me, what should happen to me because of what I got myself into. And God says, I got something for you. I'm going to give you grace. My ability to work on your behalf. You may not have enough faith, but I got enough grace. You may not have enough faith, but I got enough mercy. So have faith in my mercy and grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace and you will what? Obtain. Amen. I got to read that again. Let us therefore come what? Boldly into the throne, unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to help. Now, if you're not being helped, how many have been helped by the word? Come on, church. And that, now, we, listen, we can puff our chest out and say, oh, we're great faith people. Oh, yeah, look, we got a bus this year. We went to camp. We had a long fall. We gave over 100,000. Oh, we got, I'm going to tell you what, why we had such a good year. I'm going to tell you why. Because of the mercy of God. His mercy. Because we'd have messed it all up. The bigger the church, the greater the ministry, the greater the mercy. Because you take a church of 10,000 people, there's 10,000 reasons why the church should fail. And the greatest one is standing in the pulpit. You say, what do you mean? That's why God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And all through the walk of faith and the walk of grace and the walk of love, God says, what you need, what you need, because you're going to mess up faith. You're going to not walk in love. You're going you're to forsake your hope. You're going to get discouraged. But I've got mercy. I've got mercy. I'm just going to step in. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have the faith for that. I'm going to give it to you anyway. You look back and say, how did I get that? Mercy, mercy, mercy. The Bible says with mercies. Great. We draw out of the way. The, with joy. We 
pull mercy out of the well of God's salvation in us. Let me, one more time, let me read it. The last part of it in the, in the, in the Amplified says, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need. Now listen to this. Appropriate help, well-timed help, coming just when we need it. Any man or woman on planet earth that ends up in hell has done it because they have forsaken the mercy of God. You've forsaken his mercy. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as we said when we began the service, he's the greatest gift ever given. But when you reject Jesus, you reject God's mercy. You reject his mercy. You say, well, pastor, only the guilty need mercy. That's who we were. We were the guilty, but we've been justified by faith. We hadn't any of us performed any act. Listen, we can become the largest church on the planet. We can reach the world with the gospel and still not one act of righteousness would justify us before God. It still will only be according to his mercy. Amen. When you realize that, you begin to realize how great his mercy is. How great. What does it say in Lamentation? But But for the mercy of God, we would be consumed. But his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He's faithful to his mercy. Amen. You love the Lord this morning. Lift your hands up and thank him for his mercy. Father, we thank you this morning for the mercy of almighty God. For his ability to impart unto us. Lord, not just when we were sinners. But Lord, how much more as believers do we need your mercy? And today, we thank you for this abundant reality of your character. Mercy, Father. Let us receive your mercy. Let us live in that mercy. And let us be people of your mercy. Let us be merciful, kind to one another. This Christmas season, when we're with our families, Lord, the issues of the past, the issues of what's gone on between us and our brother, sister, cousin, aunt, uncle, father. Let the mercy of God step in between that. Where there's been family arguments and feuds and, and one is this way and the other is that. Let, let mercy come through us, Lord. Forgiveness and kindness. We ask in Jesus' name. Ever head bowed, ever eye closed, just a moment. Let me ask you this morning, where are you with the Lord? Have you accepted his gift of salvation, of Jesus? You say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I believe I'm okay. That does not matter. Well, I've gone to church. Listen, I like what Brother Osteen said years ago. He said, going to church does not make you a Christian any more than living in a garage would make you a Buick. You have to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Amen. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I know that I need Jesus. I know that I need His mercy and His grace. I need to be saved. I need Jesus as Lord. Anybody like that this morning? In fact, you lift your hand up high. Let me see it. Anybody? Praise God. We see one hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember, 
But keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.